When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast, or for one day only, as I'm officially renaming it, the Alexis McAllister Fan Club. Sean Bradbury here on hosting duties with my fellow fan club founding members, Keith McDonald and Tom Kavir. Hoping by the end of the season there'll be, there'll be a few thousand of us meet, of us meeting every week, maybe maybe a steakhouse somewhere in town. We'll get the Malbec flowing and we'll uh, we'll talk about the magic that Alexis is producing in midfield. But for now, we've got plenty to discuss. Uh, obviously, his midfield masterclass against Leicester, albeit in a pre-season friendly, but very exciting. A little bit on Darwin Nunes, latest transfer developments, some Curtis Jones, how he fared in midfield. So plenty to get through. But um, gents, first of all, how are we? Kiefer, you getting on okay? Oh, what an introduction that was, by the way. Absolutely. All in on the uh, Alexis McAllister fan club. Um, I think I mentioned it to you yesterday. Kind of only only let down so far has been that he was wearing jorts during the summer. But we can work on that. But um, yeah, if there's a steakhouse and there's a Melbet, you know, get me involved. I'll, I'll be there. First three names on the team sheet, us lads. And and Tom, you, I mean, you've been, as listeners to the pod will know, you've been learning Spanish for a while. Was this so you could help Alexis settle in or you're not planning a move to Spain yourself to go and work for Don Ballon or anywhere like that? <laughs> no, that's not the case, uh, This unfortunately, no. No. Good, good. Well, I'm glad we can clear those rumours up. Um, right, well, we'll get straight into it. Alexis, then Kiefer, against Leicester, I thought he was the man that caught the eye most, really. You know, not alone, obviously, but he really pulled some strings. And his talent was no secret prior to signing for Liverpool, was it? Everyone saw what he did for Brighton. Everyone saw what he did in the World Cup. You know, he, he really advertised himself on, on the biggest of stages. And I think even this pre-season, we, we'd seen flashes of him, hadn't we, before Leicester. But I thought this, albeit again, you know, it was only a half of football. It was a more sustained exhibition of what he can provide. There was a lot of silk in terms of his creativity, but there was also a bit of steel. I thought he was, you know, looking to win his duels and, and get on the front foot. But what have you made of him so far? I suppose, you know, mostly in this Leicester game, but but just as a whole from these early glimpses in pre-season. Oh, he's been a breath, breath of fresh air, isn't he? Um, I think yesterday, as you say, it was only pre-season and, you know, it's Leicester, obviously, championship side now. And, you know, they've lost a lot of players, haven't they, during the summer? Um, but in terms of what he could do and, and kind of his assignment, yes, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was really good. Um, the two Bundesliga side, the Bundesliga two side, sorry, that Liverpool played kind of earlier in their schedules. I think that was obviously more of a, a fitness test, wasn't it, for Liverpool, maybe to get them up to speed. We know that Klopp likes to do those European camps. And I think the Bundesliga two started uh, the weekend just gone. So they were clearly uh, further in their development than, than Liverpool this summer. So I thought the lesser test was, was uh, as I say, the quality, maybe not what they have been in recent years, but in terms of like, physicality and, and pressing, you know, he's up an early knock into early doors off Kieran Dewsbury Hall, which you know he dusted himself down, even though there was a you know a few uh, eye rolls as he went down, kind of clutching his ankle. But he, he came back and, and he, he absolutely ran the show. I mean, the kind of the, the, I think the one moment everyone will look to is, is that first goal and the way he picks the ball up. I think there's like three or four you know Leicester players around him. He just kind of gets it on the half turn off Trent, I think it is, in one touch and he's away. And then the, the second ball's through to Jota. 
and obviously Jota takes a shot and eventually Nunes puts it in, but kind of all comes through McAllister. And uh, I was just thinking about it today, really, and I do wonder what that what it will do for Liverpool long-term because I know we've not seen Trent in his kind of out-and-out full-back role. Uh, sorry, that, you know, inverted full-back role that we saw towards the end of last season. He's obviously been playing as a kind of a makeshift number six. But I do wonder what it will do to Trent in terms of, you, know, you think over the last four years maybe you know Liverpool had all this success but the two kind of creative nucleuses have been Trent and Robertson and that, that's been well known and well documented I mean every every season they're kind of there or thereabouts in terms of the assists with you know the likes of Kevin De Bruyne I do wonder if you know having someone like McAllister who okay he's not going to get you 20 goal 20 assists sorry a season but you know he's obviously a creative player and someone Liverpool would trust to kind of operate between the lines I just wonder if that will free Trent up even more because as I say it felt like you know if you are a team playing Liverpool in recent years, you know, the very best is is uh, to kind of get the best out of themselves. They would look to target Trent maybe uh, defensively, but also offensively to stifle Liverpool. They would, you know, get on Trent as well because he is Liverpool's, you know, most creative player. He's, he's, I think I described him on last week's pod as a Galactico. He has literally got everything you'd want in a player. So I do wonder now if he's kind of got that, you know, you think as a Bosley as well and, and Trent and now McAllister, there's, there's a few more creative players in the kind of ranks and in the lines. It's not, I don't think it's as plain and obvious as, you know, blocking off one simple pass now, one passing lane, and you've you've almost stifled Liverpool because you, know, you look at years gone by when you know they've had the midfield of you know Jordan Henderson, James Milner, Gino Wijnaldum, you know Fabinho, all those kind of players who have been fantastic players and great servants. But it's very much a workman-like midfield, isn't it? I think during that run to the the, the Champions League final in 2018, that was it was almost like a running joke, wasn't it? Um, you know how industrious it was, and it was brilliant, and it served Liverpool so well because they had those you know front four players. If you kind of include Coutinho before his departure, there who could do the damage, but you know, now Liverpool are a, a more well-oiled machine, they're more well-balanced. And as I say, I was just wondering, and I just think it is really exciting because just the way he moves and, you know, checking his shoulder and it's a way, he's just, he's just so brilliant to watch. And, you know, people, I think people genuinely do forget, even though it was only, you know, seven or eight months ago that he, he did win the World Cup, you know, because he has come from Brighton, it is a bit mad, but it's not as if he was there as the 23rd man or the 24th man or whatever. I mean, he, you know, he got a, a pre-assist in the final, I think. You know, for that for that Di Maria goal, I think he kind of started that off with the with the breakaway. And I mean, as I say, he's a brilliant player, Premier League experience. He's he's still young enough to kind of be moulded into Jurgen Klopp and what he wants. I just think it's such an exciting signing. And you know, you know, look ahead to this Chelsea game in what is it, thirteen days time. You know, you're thinking he's the one who you're kind of banking on to hit the ground running if Liverpool are. You know, there's a lot of questions about who will start in midfield for Liverpool that day. But I think he's the one that everyone's hanging their hat on and thinking, you know, he, he's going to be there. Absolutely. I think you make a really good point as well about the impact he can have on other players around them, not necessarily in terms of finding them with the ball, which obviously is very exciting. You know, you've heard a lot of players, Jota especially, and others wax lyrical about him. This is even before some of the games, just, you know, what what he's shown in training. But I, I think back to last season and after that formation tweak, and even with Trent stepping into midfield in this hybrid role, it felt like there were just new puzzles for teams to solve as Liverpool attacked down the right, you know, and Salah just seemed to be unleashed and found another gear and an extra pocket of space. And I, I think you're absolutely spot on there. If you throw Trent and McAllister and Salah into the mix there, you know, one man with an unbelievable wonder of a right foot who's advancing into midfield positions, McAllister who can, you know, skewer a team with an incisive pass, Salah doing what Salah can do. You know, it, it's a very exciting combo. And Tom, I, coming to you next, I find it interesting that as far as I can record, thinking back to the friendly so far, I don't think McAllister spent any lengthy amount of time in the deeper positions. And when he started, he's he's he started at the at the, at the top of the box, if you like, you know, in a in a more attacking uh, place. Do you think that that is the plan for him? You know, certainly initially 
Klopp is looking to you know unleash him as an attacking player, and we all know he's versatile. We saw what he can do for Brighton, but do you think that will come further down the line? And and for now, he's he's a, he's a number ten in every sense of it. Yeah, it looked like that um, the other day in that friendly game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where Liverpool play him, like you said, because you know that's not sort of a position Liverpool have utilised in recent times since Coutinho's departure. Um, you know, there may be scope for him to kind of take on that position next season, and it just gives Klopp something else to think about. You know, different formations he could play um, this season coming, and I'm sure if McAllister was asked to play there, that's something he would you know take on and, and be able to do really well. Um, yeah, you were talking about the positions he took up in the game the other day against Leicester, and you know we saw him creating a lot of space in midfield, picking out some good passes for the forwards, and maybe it's something Liverpool look at in terms of utilising him as a number 10 going forward. I think it's a bit of a difficult one because at this point in time, you don't really know how Klopp's going to line things up. There's so many different options and not only midfield, obviously attacks the main issue in terms of what formation would be best to play in terms of getting all your best players on the pitch. I'm not too sure how he's going to do it because someone, someone good's going to miss out either way. I think, Jota or Diaz, Gakpo, one of those three is going to be the one that misses out somewhere. I just don't know who, you know, who you leave out. I would probably leave Jota out over all the attackers. I think he's more, he think he's best as a sort of impact sub compared to the others. McAllister's going to be starting. I think, you know, we can pretty much say that most games next season. Um, so look forward to seeing him playing and, you know, we'll wait and see where Klopp chooses to use him. But I think number 10 could be a good option potentially. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Absolutely. It's, it's very exciting. And, and here's an early call from me. I, I honestly think this season Salah will get more assists than he's ever got for Liverpool. I mean, judging by what we were saying about new combinations that can be unlocked, but just how sharp he's looked in pre-season and the, the partnerships that seem to be developing with him and Nunes and, and others and finding people at the back post. Yeah, I think he's going to uh, tuck in with plenty of assists. Um, let's turn to the man we just mentioned there, then Darwin Nunes. Kiefer, um, again, early days, we can't overstate these glorified training performances. And, you know, they're only getting 45 minutes at a time. It's not it's not full games. It's not the, the level that we'll see, as you said before, in 13 days' time. But I do think Darwin looks a bit leaner, a bit more composed. Even looks like there's a little bit of extra zip, you know, the, the way he got to that ball to, to slot against Leicester. And certainly a bit of a renewed focus I think it's four goals and an assist for him so far in, in these warm-up games. And I just think with this new formation, or well, I say new, you know, it's it's been a few months, hasn't it, now in the, the back end of last season. But I think for certain players, it really simplified their responsibilities on the pitch and, and gave them just, this is what you do, this is your role. And I think Fabinho was one in, in one sense. You know, he had less of the pitch to cover. His responsibility kind of shrunk and, and that really helped him given the season he was having. But do you think, in, in a in a different way, obviously in an attacking way, Nunes could get that kind of boost and, and just become the main man. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, by the time they they kind of uh, implemented this new system and were kind of tweaking with it, Nunes had missed so many well, not so many games, but he missed a large part of the of the final third of the season, if you'd like, or the, the final quarter, or whatever. You know, a few injuries, and then you know, found himself on the bench as Diaz came back. So it's quite difficult to tell, but I think maybe. I think that was a time, I think after they played Forest and Klopp made those comments about, you know, defending being your ticket into the team. And I think he made similar comments over the weekend. And 
don't think anyone has any doubts over Nunes as a, you know, as a forward. That, you know, he scored goals before. He scored goals in the Champions League. He scored a good amount of goals wherever he's gone. And a lot's been made of his kind of second second season syndrome and you know how he's exploded after always you know a difficult first season. So I don't think there's any doubts about that. I think the one thing has maybe been you know you look at a salary or you look at Diaz and maybe what you get the other way. Um, and I think that's obviously a huge factor in in Liverpool's you know wide play, and especially as I said then with you know, previously with the you know, Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Roberts, when you've got those two bombing on ahead of you, you really need disciplined you know wide men to kind of tuck in and cover and, and and you know not be scared to you know get chalk on their boots and go the other way. So I think that was you know quite telling last season, and probably no surprise given that Diaz had you know was a year on in his kind of advancement of you know having already played in that system, and obviously Salah is Salah is and he's you know the first name on Liverpool's team sheet. He's, he's one you certainly don't take off. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting because looking so far, it, ha- it has seen that he's playing more between, you know, in, the, in kind of the width of the six-yard box and almost as like an out-and-out number nine as, as what we thought it would be last year. Um, you know, points last season, he was, you know, playing on the left. I always think of that game at Tottenham where just before the World Cup break, when I think he got two assists for Salah that day or certainly one. And um, that kind of felt like, right, Nunes is here, he's arrived. And then he never really kicked on from that. I think he gets a goal at home to Southampton a week later, but you know, never really kicked on after the World Cup, as as we kind of all hope. So I do wonder if they're maybe placing less responsibility on him and, and just saying, look, just you know, just be a penalty box striker. You know, you, we've seen what, what Haaland's, what the success Haaland has had doing that last year. I mean, but then you've just seen it over the weekend, but someone asked Pep Guardiola whether Haaland would get used to his system this weekend and, and Guardiola was like, he's literally scored 53 goals. Like, like what more do you want? You know, putting the ball in the back of the net is the, the hardest thing to do and it's, it's why strikers are paid the most and cost the most. So if Liverpool can kind of keep Nunes within that width and, and I mean, the goal he got yesterday was a really good finish and that probably goes somewhat under the radar. I mean, it's a tight angle he's taken it first time and yes, it is pre-season, but just that confidence. I mean, you know, you only have to look at Jota, what happened when he, when he scored you know, the goals that leads um, earlier this year when he gets two at far at two at home to Forest, doesn't he? And then uh, he gets the winner against Spurs. So you know, goals breed confidence, like with, with any striker, and, and Nunes will be no different. Um, but I certainly do wonder if they are maybe uh, restricting or limiting what they're asking of him elsewhere, and you know, maybe making that up in terms of you know, if they do put a gap in midfield, they know they're going to get that that work rate both ways. You know, with a McAllister who's got the ability. I mean, he's played as a six at his time in Brighton as well. He's played as an eight and a ten, so he can almost do. Or he can do both ways. And then if you've got you know a, a midfielder topping in for Trent, or you've got you know Canate or whoever it is in whatever system it is, you know maybe there's less kind of emphasis on on your wide men getting back. Um, but in terms of Nunes, as you say, I agree. He does look leaner. He looks more confident. Um, join those you know early days of preseason testing at, at the Axa, we saw that he was you know showing off his English, which. You know, a lot of people made a joke about, it, but it is you know shows a that he's confident and, he, and he's kind of ready to go. He's you know gearing up for a, a big season because you know let's be honest, if he doesn't have a good season this year and you know you've got all these other signings kicking into place, and especially as Tom says, you've got you know five world class forwards there, someone is going to be limited to minutes. And there's someone who's 23 going, or I think he's 22 going 23 or whatever age Nunes is around that. You know he needs minutes at his age, and you know hopefully that comes at Liverpool. But if it doesn't, I'm sure you know there'll be other teams sniffing around and. You know, clearly it's a long-term investment that Liverpool and Klopp have kind of bought into here, but it does feel like a big season, even though it's only a second at Anfield. Um, so, you know, there's been lots of comparisons to Suarez and kind of how he exploded. I think of Mane as well. You know, Salah took his game to another level. You're hoping that he can follow that that similar blueprint and you know, the signs in pre-season. Yes, it's such a small sample size, but I think they bode really well. And 
I think there's a, a real case for him to start at Chelsea. I, I think I do like Jota, and as we'll get on to, I've, I've kind of written a piece about him today and, you know, his kind of resurgence in, in recent months. But I do wonder if, you know, if you, if, if you are looking to stretch a team, I think Nunes could be that that guy, you know, whether, whether you're playing him as an out-and-out number nine or on the left, just to cause havoc, because he's shown in so many games this, this year that, you know, whether he's starting or whether he's on the bench, he, he can... He just offers something different that I don't think Liverpool have. I think it's quite similar to Diaz in the sense of he's not fully polished yet. That we all, you know, like a Gakpo is. He's just, a, you know, such a silky footballer. But I think with Nunes and Diaz, is there's it, they do remind me of kind of Southampton Mane just before he comes to Liverpool. And you know, there's that game 2016, I think, in the Europa League season where Mane helps Southampton come from two 0 down to beat us three two at St Mary's, and everyone's like that was the game that Klopp, you know, really kind of set his eyes on Mane and. You know, I just think of how electric he was that day and kind of cutting in from the left. And he was a bit mad. And I don't think anyone really knew what to expect when he came to Liverpool. And I think the, the, the Nunes and, and Diaz are very similar to that. They're very raw, but the potential is there to see. And if you tap into it correctly, there's, you know, there's two brilliant players there. But, you know, with Nunes, it is, it is a massive... There's no denying that whichever way you want to cut and slice, it is a massive season for Nunes. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think Keith is right there, Tom. And that idea that Nunes is almost trying to equip himself mentally to take that next step. And you know, he himself has made those comparisons to, to the Suarez second season, having spoken to, to Luis Suarez and things like that. Do you think, as Keith has said, could there be an element of him just now simply stepping up by by responding to the competition? Because I almost feel he didn't have the chance to respond last season. Did he you know Gapco came in in January and took a, a short while to settle and then looked excellent. But then, you know, there were those little injury issues for Nunes and he, he was he was in, but then very much out with the team and Liverpool hit their groove kind of without him. Uh, obviously, Diaz comes back, Jota comes back, but I, I, it feels like now is the time that Nunes, you know, have, having been denied that in, in the earlier months of this year when the season was finishing, now is the time he's trying to get his message out there and, and so far he's doing it. Yeah, he is in pre-season, but, you know, one thing doing it in pre-season, another thing doing it when the actual football starts. So I I hope he can do it because I'd like him to do well at Liverpool. I think he's got potential to be a great signing for the club. But I'm just really interested to see what how Klopp approaches it, really. I'm, I'm really interested to see this first lineup, Chelsea game, because I don't think like anyone can really say this is going to be the, the, the starting eleven for that game nailed on. And, and that goes for Nunez as well, because he's not guaranteed a place in the team. So, you know, if Klopp were to give him a few games starting out this season and he doesn't score, you know, he's not really on form, then he probably will lose his place in the team. And and then, like you said, he didn't really get that chance last season um, to prove himself at the, back end of the, at the back end of the year. But I think it might be even harder next season to do that just because it's just so many players now waiting to sort of take his place. Um, Jota and Diaz were obviously out injured for long periods of time. That gave him a bit more, you know, of a chance to get minutes because he wasn't competing with them for starting place. Um, they're now back, obviously, so more competition for him. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think he's got the ability to to get 20 goals this season. Uh, you know, whether or not he's able to do it, we'll have to wait and see. But I would like to see him, you know, prove people wrong and I'm sure he'll be wanting to do the same as well. Oh, oh Darwin is listening there. Tom's second <laughs> target, 20 goals. Uh, been, sorry, I think a really big part that I completely forgot to mention is, you know, taking the number nine shoot. I mean, that wouldn't have been forced upon him 
you know, by any means, if anyone, if anything, I think, you know, people probably would have been saying, you know, have, an, have another year, no one's going to be taking it in. There's, you know, there's not going to be another forward coming through the door. You know, just, just leave that there kind of thing. But the fact that he's stepped up and, and, and taken that, I mean, it shows that he's in it for the long haul. And, you know, he sees Liverpool somewhere he, wants, somewhere he wants to spend, you know, the best part of his career. But also that he feels that he's ready now and, you know, he's ready for that extra pressure. And I think that's a really, really telling sign. Yeah, no, it does. It does, does bode well um, on Nunes. Sticking with you, Kiefer. Tom's shout of Jota as, as a super sub, I, I get that. And I, and I do think there's always a sense in which Jota tunes into a game quite quickly from the bench. You know, he's there is a temptation to to use him in that way. But do you think, given what we've seen from him this preseason, the, the sharpness, the level, the way he's linking with McAllister and others, that uh, as, as things stand, and, you know, as we said before, there's only a couple more games left, albeit there'll be a lot of training sessions would you say that his name is currently on the team sheet for Chelsea? Because personally, I would. I'd say Diaz has got a little bit more to prove to try and dislodge him. Yeah, and the thing with Jota is, you know, you can say his name's on a team sheet, but the next question is where? I mean, do you start him as your number nine or do you, do you start him on the left? And, and that's been something he's kind of had to deal with, you know, probably since Diaz has arrived, really, and, and they kind of moved Marnie more centrally. He's, you know, he was so good, wasn't he, Sadio Mane, in the kind of final months of that 21-22 season. And, and then Jota really couldn't find himself as, with a central berth and, and had to go out onto the left with Diaz. And we all know how good Diaz is. And I always think with Jota that he scored 21 goals that season, was Liverpool's third highest goal scorer. And, you know, he was he got a late cameo in the Champions League final. And I just, that just, to me, just highlights the depth that Liverpool are competing with. And, you know, you, you almost can't rest on your laurels, can you, that, you know, you scored all these goals. And, Jara, I think he has looked really sharp this preseason, and you know he's already talked about this this relationship with McAllister. I think it was after the Cars Rule game. He, he said, "I love playing with these players. And, you know, just find you don't they." And that was that was uh, in effect yesterday um, for the goal that Nunes scores the first goal. He's Jota kind of peels off wide, and I think that helped Nunes as well because Nunes doesn't have to go and receive the ball as, as I just said. Then, if Nunes can kind of stay within the width of the penalty area, and you've got someone like Jota who's he's so tenacious and so willing as he needs to get the ball, he you know he goes anywhere across the front three. I think if you can have someone like him alongside Nunes, it it kind of it limits his movement, and it, and then as I say, Jot is so brilliant at it. And as he as he showed yesterday, you know he takes a shot, and Nunes is there to follow it up. But just in general, I, I, you know I've always been a big fan of Jotter, and I think sometimes he maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves. And I think people don't realize the numbers he put up. I mean, last season, you know, yes, he he had such a disruptive season with injury, and I know he didn't score for such a, a large period of time, but he still managed eight goals and seven assists, I think it was, which is, you know, really, I know three of those assists were against Rangers in the Champions League for Salah, but it's still a brilliant return on a player who, you know, if you were just going off kind of the fan reaction and, and maybe the way people were speaking about him, you'd probably imagine that he got two goals and one assist or something like that, which, you know, teams like City would would kill for, you know, that depth, wouldn't they, in, in forward areas like, you know, they've had in recent years with Mares, Grealish, Silva, you know, and now Haaland. So I certainly don't think it's a bad thing and it's, it's very much as, what Klopp does with his midfielders, what he has done with his midfielders, I mean, he, he has none at the minute, but it's very much kind of horses for courses, isn't it, in terms of you know, different oppositions. And I've seen some people say that, you know, Jota is, is brilliant off the bench, but I kind of agree with you, Sean. I think, you know, opening day of the season, if you if you want to kind of really set the tempo and, you know, go and make a statement at Stamford Bridge, I, I can't think of anyone better than Jota to kind of get up in the faces of a Chelsea back four, which will be unsettled. I mean, I'm not sure who they'll field. It feels very up in the air at Chelsea at the minute, but, you know, I imagine... It probably won't be a back four that I've played many times together. We we'll imagine Diva Colwell might be somewhere in there, um, and, and kind of maybe Thiago Silva, Reese James, and, and, and maybe Ben Chill at left back. I mean, it's a it's a good back four, but it's got it's got its weaknesses. You know, I'm thinking of getting in behind and 
Jot is so good in the air as well. So, you know, certainly somewhere they could target. But yeah, I've been, I've been so impressed with him. I think he's a, a really brilliant player. And, you know, there has been talks of, or say talks of, you know, people saying they willingly kind of sacrifice him if it meant we could get a midfielder or a defender him. I just find that ludicrous because as last season shows, you know, all your, all your strikers aren't seeing in front of the same him sheet at once. You know, you'll get periods where Jot is the man and the periods where I'm sure Nunes will be the man and, you know, Gakpo will be in there as well. But it's very rare that all four of the, all five of them, sorry, will, you know, amongst rotating, we'll all be singing sweetly, which that just isn't the case. And that isn't the reality of football. I think you also throw in there that Salah will be going to AFCON, um, which is something that maybe hasn't had enough talk as, as maybe recent years. It feels like whenever Salah was going to AFCON, it's, it's always it's penciled in the diary kind of 10 months beforehand. And everyone knows the group games and the fixtures and the destinations and the flight tracking and, you know, where he'll be. So I think that kind of goes to show that Liverpool aren't as dependent on Salah as, as they once were maybe you know, two or three years ago. Um, you know, they've, as I said, they've got brilliant depth, and, and Jotter is certainly, you know, instrumental to that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Definitely, yeah, plenty to be excited about up front. Plenty of big decisions for Klopp. Let's drop back uh, a rung of the team and let's have a little look at midfield. And Tom, I'll come to you first on this. So, um, everyone who saw the Leicester game will now know that Curtis Jones. Played deeper. He was he was the number six. Trent was alongside him, as Keeper said before, back into that something more like that hybrid role that, that we've seen him in. Now, Tom, I mean, it's not entirely new. I would I would argue this for Curtis. You know, he's just come off the back of a very successful summer tournament with England, the under twenty ones, winning the Euros, and okay, I think it was a bit more of a four four two. But he was often, from what I saw, the man who was who was a bit deeper, who was coming to get off the fullbacks, who you know was was holding and just using his discipline and his and his experience. Now, I don't think it was perfect against Leicester and, and Klopp said afterwards that there were times where he thought it was a bit slow. Trent and Curtis, you know, didn't quite quite gel. I think he used the phrase that, you know, we don't necessarily want two quarterbacks playing side by side. You know, we want to mix it up a little bit. But do you think this has potential? I mean, personally now, I would say that just as a, I would say Jota is, is, as things stand, he's played his way into the Chelsea um, team selection for Klopp. Right now, I don't really see that there's time for another combination to really make a case other than it being Jones and Trent as, as the two deeper midfielders. So would you expect to see that against Chelsea and would you potentially expect to see more of it this season? Yeah, I think, you know, the pre-season games probably, you know, hint that that's what's going to be Klopp's go-to sort of lineup at least for the start of the season. I think Fabinho and Henderson... You know, Henderson gone already and Fabinho on his way out. You know, that just further limits what he's able to do in midfield. So, you know, the fact that they've been playing that system in pre-season suggests that something Liverpool are going to stick with for the months ahead. I think it's something that, you know, it's looks, you know, we saw a little bit of it at the end of last season and it's looked quite good so far in pre-season, especially against Leicester. I thought, you know, they played quite well that game. So, yeah, if it's something they go for, I think, think Liverpool will probably benefit from that and teams will have teams play against them will have to try and work it out you know I think Liverpool maybe got sussed out a little bit at times last season kind of forced Klopp to change it up a little bit with that new formation and you know if they do start the season with this you know teams will have to you know find a way to break through it and and hopefully you know for Liverpool that might work in their favour the fact that they haven't used it you know, so many times as they had with the 4-3-3, which teams maybe, you know, become so used to playing against. So, yeah, I think it's uh, something to look forward to for Liverpool. And 
I think it's a quite a positive formation for them. Yeah, staying on the formation, Keith. I mean, I've been all in on this since the, since the the early signs of it last season. Just think, you know, what it did for Trent in turn, as we said, what it did for Salah, what it did for others, what it could do for Nunes. There's any way you look on the pitch, virtually, apart from maybe maybe Robbo, who's, who's got a very different role. It's it's enhancing players, it's unleashing players, and I think in theory, what I really like about it in in midfield is you can kind of layer the risk and and build it up piece by piece. You know, you could tweak any corner, really, of that box midfield and at a stroke, make it a lot more attacking. You know, you could bring, as we've seen, you could bring Gakpo into one of the advanced midfield positions. And, you know, that asks a different question of opposition than, you know, having Sabozlai or McAllister there would do. And But I think the, the point, you know, I'd turn to now is what if Klopp tweaks those deeper positions? And, OK, you know, Fabinho looks set to leave for Saudi Arabia. It's pretty much nailed on. Henderson's gone. So two of the guys who you would have thought would be more defensive-minded or capable of being defensive-minded if they were deeper, aren't there anymore. But I still think there's a little bit of room to experiment, isn't it? Especially if, if Lavia signs, you know, you've got Lavia or Bessetic maybe who could be a little bit more of a something like a traditional holder. But, but then now this question is, well, what if it's Jones there? What if it's Thiago there? And you've got someone, you know, who can sweep the ball around again like Trent. So do you think... That you know, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because that you would hope there'll be at least one more signing, and that'll be Lavia, and then maybe there's a case for another midfielder. But where do you stand on this Jones experiment, and whether it's got long-term potential? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, during kind of watching the the, the under twenty ones Euros, I think it was him and Angel Gomez who were, you know, the uh, the, the two, as you say, the, the two deepest midfielders, and. You know, it was great and everything, and it was really nice to watch. But there, I always kind of pointed back to the risk of losing the ball in a team, you know, that under England under 21 team, which is just littered with Premier League stars. I mean, you've got Emil Smith Rose on the bench, and, you know, I think Arsenal rejected a £50 million bid for him a few years back. So that kind of just shows the, the level and the quality Curtis Jones was playing in and around. But I always thought they were that safe, not safe on the ball, but they were that competent on the ball. They were that good, you know, they could pass it. But, you know, you're not a number six in that position, really. You, you're almost like another number eight. So, I did think it was quite interesting, and, and I think Klopp shut down the idea pretty swiftly after Jones returned to to, the, to Liverpool training. Didn't he? He said, you know, he's he's in number eight going forward, but his hand, as you say, has almost been forced by you know these unexpected departures of Fabinho and Henderson. And I think Klopp, you know, certainly towards the end of the season would have been expecting to have Bessetic and Thiago back in some capacity at least for one of these tour games. You know, with the fact that both of them. Well, Thiago's not travelled. Well, neither of them have travelled, have they? So, you know, that's a pretty big indictment of where they are physically um, and obviously certainly won't be playing at Chelsea. So, I think the, the one thing that about it is, is that it's it's short term. As I say, you've got the, the two lads, you know, in Bacetic and Thiago, who are more natural number sixes, you know, at a push. Um, and, you know, hopefully Romeo Lavia will be, you know, here before the end of the summer transfer window, whenever that may be. But certainly... You know, you're looking at that Bournemouth game and thinking that, that would be a really nice game to kind of introduce him to. I just think the nature of the Chelsea one is is quite brutal. And I think given the fact that Chelsea, after such an underwhelming season last year, you know, they're going to be coming back. They've obviously made a few signings. They've had a big overhaul in terms of squad. They've got a new manager, a new way of playing, a new philosophy. Um, it is really interesting and, and very much, I'm not sure what to expect from, from Chelsea on the opening day. And I don't think anyone is for, for that kind of regard. So I think that makes it a bit more scarier with the experiment. But I think Jones is a player who's confident in his own ability. And I know there's a few balls over the top yesterday that he got caught out with, but I think Klopp was more looking at the press inside of that. And he, I think he said that, you know, it was long balls you can't really do anything about when you, you know, you're standing in the middle of the pitch. They needed to 
you know, uh, kind of block the passing lines and, and be a bit more aggressive. And that obviously comes with, you know, Jota, Nunes, Salah, Doak, whoever's playing in those kind of front three positions. Um, but, I mean, that will come with fitness, you know, still the sweltering heat of playing in Singapore won't have helped the press in it by that standards. But in terms of on the ball, I, I, I think Jones and, and Trent were, you know, fairly competent. I thought they were, you know, good. I think Jones's decision-making has improved tenfold in, in the last, you know, year or so. I know he hasn't played a lot, but... I think just certainly this new system has maybe made him feel a, a more important part because we saw kind of the back end of last season, he was on that left side, wasn't he? And a lot of the time he was coming into the back post, I think of the goals at Leicester and, and Tottenham. But I think before that, when he was playing in a 4-3-3 and, you know, lucky who his kind of predecessor was in Gino and Adam, he was a very much an unsung hero of that Liverpool you know, side. So in terms of doing off the ball and the dirty work, I don't really think that suited Jones, but I think in this system where, you know, the build-up starts from deep and, it, you know, it comes out to Trent Alexander-Arnold or whoever's in those, you know, those two number six positions, there is a real emphasis to move the ball through the lines and that feels like something that it suits Jones. And as I say, he's, you know, this is a lad who started his, his Liverpool career as a, as a, you know, as a kid, as a left winger, you know, as a the big player in all the teams, you know, you speak to anyone who's, who's played with him or coached him and they say, you know, his talent was, he was the main man in tournaments, you know, in, in any game he played at academy level. So, you know, he'll certainly be relishing that opportunity to get on the ball and break the lines and kind of show what he's about. And he's, he's got that really scouse swagger about him, isn't he? It's not, not an overconfidence, but he knows his own ability. He knows his worth. And Dolly did an interview with him in Germany last week, didn't he? And he said, you know, I've, I've been fighting all my life, you know, a few midfield signings don't scare me. And I think that's the kind of attitude that Liverpool need to have. Um, but as you say, Sean, this this system, it feels like total football, something from the 70s, doesn't it? You know, you can, yes, it might be Trent and, and, and Jones, you're too deepest, but it very much feels in game that could switch. And, you know, Trent could find himself on, you know, the right-hand corner of the box, whipping in a Beckham S cross, or, you know, in the number 10 position on the edge of the box, looking to break a line. You know, Jones could find himself in a similar position. So I don't think it's as cut and dry as what the 4-3-3 was in, in terms of, right, you know, Robertson's going, so you need to suck in, or Trent's going, Jordan, you need to tuck in. I think there's a lot more freedom with this system. And, you know, as I say, it's certainly short term. I don't think anyone's looking at Jones and thinking, you know, we're going to win the Premier League with him as our deepest midfielder. But I think, you know, if you're kind of going out there on the, the first day of the, the season, it's, I mean, if we win at Chelsea, you know, say they beat them, you know, 2 0, 3 0, something, or even 1 0, everyone, you know, it'll be the, everyone will be like, oh my God, you know, Liverpool are going to win a league. They, you know, we're back. What a sign in Summers has been. Jones is brilliant. But at the same time, if they lose 1 0, they draw 0 0. That, that atmosphere will be completely be polarised, you know what I mean? So I think it's, it's, you know, because it's not long-term, it's not something that we should just assess off the Chelsea game because, you know, whichever way it goes, Liverpool are going to make signs. Whichever way it goes, you know, hopefully Lavia is going to be lining up against Bournemouth the week after. Um, but as I say, it's quite difficult to know what to expect from Chelsea and I'm sure they'll be looking at us in the kind of the exact same way and thinking, you know, what what do we expect here? So, it, yeah, I, th I think... Whilst it's it's not the position I thought Liverpool would be in, you know, come the thirty first of July, it's it's a bit of an unnervy one, but it, it's almost quite exciting because I think Jones at least does deserve a chance after what he did in the last you know ten or eleven games last season, and you know if that is in an unfamiliar position at Stamford Bridge, I'm, I'm sure he'll still relish the opportunity. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Indeed. Um, well, let's let's talk transfers. I mean, we mentioned Lavia and Fabinho briefly already i think since we last did a pod there's not been a huge amount of progress on those it, it does feel like fabinho is ticking towards the exit door now leaving for al Had and some reports today actually doyle's working on a story that around liverpool's second bid for, for lavia which is expected to go in be improved be closer to southampton's asking price which appears to be around the 50 million mark 
Tom, I don't think we've had your direct take on on the Lavia situation and the wider question of of would it be enough? Where do you stand on that? Like, if forgetting further signings in defence, which you know are possible, you know we, we know that Klopp said Liverpool were looking for for defenders. He said he said that before the start of the window, but. Just in terms of midfield, from what you've seen in, in pre-season and how things are shaping up, if it, if the only recruited midfield from here was Lavia, how would you feel about that? Um, I think I think I'd probably look to get another player, to be honest, on top of that. Um, as good as Lavia looks, and I'm sure he'd be a good signing for Liverpool. Um, you know, we've seen it in the last couple of years that you can have an unexpected injury crisis come out of nowhere. Um, happened in midfield and then it happened in defence um, following year. So I don't think Liverpool can really afford to sort of take those risks again. If you look at the team, especially in midfield, there is enough depth there, you know, if everyone's fit, but that doesn't mean that everyone's going to stay fit. So, you know, if Thiago was to get injured again, is that for a long period of time? Um, McAllister. Slobosly, anyone, you know, any of the new signings, you're then counting counting upon Harvey Elliott, Besetic, people like that again, which is kind of what happened last season where you're, you're relying on, you know, players at 18, 19 to sort of carry you forward in big matches. And that's just, you know, not very realistic. And, and, you know, we saw what happened with that. Liverpool then, you know, went on this terrible run last season, which ended up with them finishing fifth. And players eventually came back, you know, which helped. But I think they were just without a number of key players for too long that ended up costing them in the long run and yeah, lost Cater who's one injury prone player Oxley Chamberlain another one um so you know you haven't got to worry about them as much keeping them fit but I think you know Milner's a big loss that's someone who you know was always always available pretty much can't remember a time he was ever really injured for long I don't think ever you know out for like two or three weeks so that's that's a big loss um, yeah, so I think just to be on the safe side in terms of having that, you know, strength and depth and, and plenty of options in that position, I would probably look to get another player. Although, you know, if everyone it does stay fit, then you have got the opposite situation of, you know, you've got too many options. But I think you'd rather have that than, you know, be sold short again. So I think two players would be enough. I think three, I don't think they're going to do. But, you know, the fact that you're losing Henderson and Fabinho... You've already lost Cater, Milner, and Oxley Chamberlain. I think if you're only bringing in Lavia, I know you brought in Sobersly and McAllister as well, but you know you, you're effectively, you know, losing out on two players minimum. So I would, yeah, I would like I look to get two. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you there. I'd, I'd like to. I'd probably deal on one midfielder and, and one left-sided centre-back. And if you can give me all three, I'll be, I'll be a very, very happy man. Well, on, on the issue of defence, Kiefer, one name that's been very tentatively, I must add, floating around, seemingly emerging from links in the Spanish media, is is Guardiol, the, the Leipzig and Croatia defender, who, for all the world, looks like he was on the way to Man City. And I don't know whether there's just some kind of hold-up and, and therefore some other names are floating around. Maybe it's a a little tactic to try and get City to just stump up the cash and get him done. But let's let's treat it with, you know, obviously a pinch of salt. But, you know, looking at this guy's profile, I mean, a centre-back who's who's young, has got the right amount of experience to really build on. I think he's had like something like 140 club professional games and add another 20 on the top for, for the senior national side. 
You know, he's he's a he's a centre back, but can can function out at left back. You know, capably well. He's it's it's pretty much the profile that Liverpool would be after. I mean, yeah, I I, I don't really think it's uh it, it's it's a serious one. The suggest one of the reports I read said Liverpool have already lodged an eighty five million pound bid, which I can't quite see that happening. But it, is that broad profile something you would like to see to come in and just be a different option to Robertson? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, then I think the only thing that is hindering you know Liverpool going in for a bid is the price because you know the, the kind of the money you talk about is astronomical and very few sides will be, will be able to kind of cough up that, that amount of money um obviously Leipzig have, have already lost so Bosley haven't they? they've lost NQ this year so it doesn't very much it certainly doesn't feel like they need to sell this summer at a third asset in you know north of 70 million 60 million whatever you know price is, is being kind of rumored around but yeah I mean he was really impressive in the World Cup I, I can't say I've seen too much of him but the World Cup was kind of what I saw of him um and I think he got in the team of the tournament, if I am right, and that was largely kind of playing at left back. I remember there was one game he got absolutely turned in inside out, but that was by Messi. So we'll let him off there. Um, I think that happens happens to the best of us. Um, but yeah, kind of a really, uh, if we're talking about this new system and kind of long term, obviously Robertson's still got a few years left to go on his contract, but I think there will be certainly this system does take off in the kind of way the back end of last season finished. I think there's a serious conversation to be had, certainly. Maybe not now. Um, I think if, you know, just to take it back a step out, I think I would be more on the two two defensive midfielders and a centre back. I think you can probably get by this summer or this this uh, this season. And then I think you know going forward, certainly next summer, I think they'd have to recruit someone of of Canate's kind of um, calibre and, and ilk of, of when he came to Liverpool. Someone who has not made that step yet, but the signs are there. Obviously, as you say, he's played a lot of senior games. You know, Champions League experience um, doesn't cost an awful amount of money. You know, probably now with inflation, you're, you're probably looking at fifty million pound or something around about that fee um but someone who Liverpool can develop mold and you know when you think of Canati's first season really he didn't play that much it was it was mainly the Champions League that he kind of was handed his kind of starting berth wasn't it it was Joel Matip and Van Dijk for large periods of the Premier League season and uh and then I think towards the kind of the end I was thinking of the FA Cup semi-final performance and Canati was absolutely brilliant and you know starts in the Champions League final ultimately but there was that period of where he kind of was phased into the Liverpool team kind of dipped in and out and I think that's what Liverpool need to be doing, you know, next year and looking at because I think Robertson is great and he's he's been a great servant to Liverpool. But I, I just do worry about his on-ball capabilities. I mean, he's a brilliant crosser of the ball, but I just think if we are talking about you know total football and you know, defenders who can bring the ball out and slot into a back three and be you know happy to receive it on either foot and break lines and all that, I just don't think that is Robertson. I, I'm I'm pretty sure he'd be the first to hold his hands up and say that isn't his game either. He's very much a traditional fullback of overlapping and get the ball in. You know, I don't think I've ever seen him do a step over, to be quite honest. And that's what six, seven years of watching him, which, you know, sometimes less is more, isn't it? It's more efficient. And that's, you know, he's made an absolute brilliant career at, at Liverpool doing so. Um, but I, I do think it feels like a, I say a lot is make or break this season, but very much with this, this system in the first kind of five, six, seven games, I think we'll quickly know if it's a success, um, you know, with the new signings who have been brought in and I'm, coming up against teams who have actually got things to play for, because I think there was a large part of that, you know, last season. I know there was a few sides in and around relegation, but it, I think very much by the time the end of April had come around, there was a lot of teams maybe on, on the beach, so to so to say. But I think going forward, I would certainly be looking at another another centre-half, certainly a left-sided one. And, you know, Van Dijk isn't getting any younger either. I think he's got two years left on his deal. So you, know, you think for the last 12 months of his local contract, is he going to be... Is he going to be the captain with the armband or is he going to be the captain on the on the field? You know, I'd imagine he's probably going to be the dressing room leader, isn't he? And they'll get someone in that way. But as I say, I don't think it's something Liverpool desperately need now. I think make or break is 
getting a number of midfielders in, you know, certainly number sixes. I don't think the defenders are the make or break. I think at worst, I don't think there's going to be too much pressure put on Joel Matip and his body this year. Um, just because I don't think he's, he's he's good enough anymore. I think he's maybe his heyday is he's been as and he's had his pomp at Liverpool and his, you know, again as a brilliant career, but I think Liverpool are beyond that now. And you know, you've got the likes of Nat Phillips and whether he stays or goes, and you know, the likes of Gerard Conte, who I thought again was really impressive yesterday against Leicester during the second half. So I think there's enough decent centre halves. You know, you're talking about games that are going to be stacking up in the Europa League and the Cup, so it's it's not too testing. Um, so I think they can get by this summer, but certainly next summer that will be the top of my my checklist. Absolutely, that's well, it's very fair. Um... Right then, I think that'll do us. Excellent stuff, lads. Thank you very much to, uh, to both Tom and Kiefer. Anyone who wants to join the McAllister fan club, you know, we're, we're, we're open to applications. Let me know. Maybe we'll try and get some badges or maybe some steakhouse discounts somewhere if anyone's feeling charitable in town. See where we can take it. But yeah, we will be back with another Blood Red later this week uh, with plenty more from Singapore. Ian Doyle out there for us. So keep an eye on the website, his social, everything we're putting out. There'll be plenty of reactions to the buying friendly and who knows, maybe a bit more transfer news to, to chat about. So... Yeah, bye for now. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.